Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you all so much for the beautiful day you've blessed us with and the awesome opportunity to be able to come into your word and gather together in your house and study your word. Help us now as we do that, as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Exploring the Word series in the book of Romans. We've done chapter 1 and near the end of chapter 1 there, we see a description of ungodly people, those that have willingly denied God and have gone fully into their sinful ways. As he describes them in verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, Whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Speaking of the attitude of the evil out there, and we definitely see a lot of that on display today. And then rolling right into chapter 2, once again we'll cover these first few verses because it's so important to keep all this flowing together. The critical part is to know that we as born-again Christians that have been enlightened by God, filled with the Holy Ghost, when we go out and we see some of this kind of behavior and we see others with these attitudes and doing these things, we have to have the right attitude ourselves. We have to have the right emotional response to it. We can anger or be angry about it, but not to sin. We can hate the sin, but not the sinner. And definitely not to cast condemnation upon them or judgment upon them in a form of condemnation, as he gets into in chapter 2. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man... Now he's speaking to the Christians. Whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doeth the same things. Same things might not be the exact same kind of sin, but in general you are sinning when you have such hatred for somebody. For their sins, then you go right into the same category of being a sinner. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them that commit such things. We know that the Lord's going to judge everybody. So we don't have to judge other people in that condemning way. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness, and forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Like, we were sinners. He patiently awaited for us to come to him. He didn't take us out in the midst of our sins. Then we should understand that the mercy and grace that he poured upon us is available for even those out there that are far worse in our ideas or opinions than we ourselves. 
but we have all been a bunch of filthy sinners. After all, this is being written by Paul, who had spent a good portion of his life hunting down Christians to be taken back and tortured and even killed and was converted on that road to Damascus. The Lord had mercy on him. But after thy hardness and impotent heart treasureth up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. The Lord is going to see to it that everyone is held accountable to what they have done. To them who be patient, continuance in well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. So we have eternal life ahead of us that continue in the pathway that we are supposed to be on, continuing in our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath. That's what they have ahead of them. That wrath of God. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. Point out here to them, doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile, we're all going to be judged equally in the eyes of God, righteous or unrighteous, everyone's going to be held accountable. For as many as have sinned without laws shall also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Now, speaking of the law here, is speaking of the recorded writings that the Jews had. At this time, they had primarily what they called the Septuagint, which was the Old Testament. And they had what they call the law, all the statutes, ordinances, and commandments of the Old Testament. And then when the Lord fulfilled all that, gave the two great commandments, to love God with all your existence, to love others as yourselves, and then that fulfills the Old Testament covenants and statutes that were looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. So he's speaking of here is you have those that have been exposed to the written and recorded will of the Lord, and then versus those who have not been exposed to that written, recorded books that they had to study. Verse 13, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves." which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. This conscience here is actually the influence of the Holy Ghost on everybody on the planet. The Holy Ghost can teach people 
even if they don't have the word of God. In this case, he's speaking of the law. The peoples that were the Gentiles, the Lord was still able to work with them in their hearts. Because it says, written in their hearts, their conscience. And communicate to them what was acceptable and what was unacceptable as far as treatment of others. And those that were holy in such a way that were loving others in that way that's being accounted for. They are going to reap the benefits of that. Let's read this parenthesis. This section 13 through 15 is in parentheses because it's emphasizing a point within the account. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, the hearers of the written recorded law, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Justified means counted to their salvation, accounted innocent. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, they weren't able to go back and study the Septuagint or any of the Dead Sea Scrolls or any of the other ancient writings, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So when the Lord established organized civilization, because he's the one to put all that into play, and put within the hearts of those that were lifted up as leaders what was right, what was wrong, what to do and what not to do. Even if they had not received the law that the Jews had, they were still being communicated to by way of the Holy Ghost, by way of what was written in their hearts and the conscience in their mind. That comes from the Lord. Verse 16, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel, behold, thou art called a Jew and restest in the law and makest thy boast of God and knowest his will and approvest the things that are more excellent being instructed out of the law and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in the darkness an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth of the law. Speaking of those that have been given the law, to be able to be exposed to that, to study that, and then in turn share it with others. Instructors, pastors, leaders of any sort, whether it's a spiritual leader of the family or of a group or of a nation. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Let us know that when you study it to the point where you're able to teach it to someone else, you are learning it and teaching yourself in the process. Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Like practice what you preach. Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, doest thou commit adultery? Thou that... Of Horus idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? 
Thou that makest thy boast of the law through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. So, someone who professes themselves to be a godly person, and then going about doing ungodly things, creates a form of blasphemy against God. Because the other people out there that are seeing that, and then they say that if that's what Christians are like, I don't want to be a Christian. I think it was Gandhi that said to one of the missionaries that came, if it weren't for Christians, I would be a Christian. It's, I don't know if that's paraphrase or if it's anywhere close to what he said. Of course, he was speaking in Hindi, not in English. But the Christians that he was exposed to back then when the missionaries were coming to see him, one in particular had came and had ministered to him, and he'd come close to being a Christian and said, I'll be back to further assist you and teach you, and he never did go back. And then others came later, and looking at the testimony of other Christians that he had seen and exposed to, saying, I don't want to be like that bunch. You know, they tell you something and they don't do it. They don't follow through. They're not practicing what they preach. So that's what he's speaking of here. When you go about presenting yourself as a Christian, you better follow through with it. Verse 25. For circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Now he's going back to the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the circumcision which showed that you were a believer and a follower and you trusted the Lord and you had that actual physical mark of being a believer. That circumcision, that seal of the covenant. Therefore, if the earned circumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? It's like the Gentiles out there that hadn't been physically circumcised if they're keeping the law, then they're accounted for as being keeping the law, whether they have the physical symbol of such or not. And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter of circumcision doth transgress the law. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, or the physical condition, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. That cutting away that was done in the physical form was representational and looking forward to the cutting away of the flesh in the desires of the flesh. Cutting away, and as it says, mortifying the flesh killing that away, taking that away, and letting the Spirit come forward. All right, rolled right on into chapter 3. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there in circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. Like, they were blessed by having the writings 
the records, the prophecies, the Psalms, the history, all that that they had to be able to study. They were blessed by that. That's the oracles of God he's saying here. For what if some did not believe? Shall that their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. If you say that you're going to live however you want and you're going to get away with it because you don't believe that there's a God and try to say, okay, since I don't believe in Him, then I don't have to be accountable to Him. <laughs> it don't work that way. Just because you choose not to believe in Him doesn't mean you're going to be given a free pass. You can't go up there to Judgment Day and say, well, I didn't believe in you, therefore none of this matters. Nah, don't work. So we need for what... If some did not believe, shall their unbelief make the faith of, of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteous of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? People say that they don't want to believe in God because they don't believe in accountability and therefore there shouldn't be any accountability because God's a God of love and He's not going to let anybody go to hell because He's a God of love then they're trying to make void the power and authority of God and, and His judgment. For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto His glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather as we be slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whom damnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are all together come unprofitable there is none that doeth good no not one clearly putting it there that all have started out as sinners their throat is an open sepulcher with their tongues they have used deceit the poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is a very important point right there in verse 18. They choose to deny that God exists and deny that there's judgment so that they can do what they please and feel like they can get away with it, and there's no fear of accountability. There is no fear of God before their eyes. We have seen this attitude on display in this country lately. 
with the rioting and the increase in the shoplifting and the destruction I and mean, complete groups coming in and ransacking a business. No fear of accountability. Going into businesses and just piling a grocery cart full of stuff and taking it right out the door and just pushing people out of their way. No fear of accountability. Because our government has failed to enforce accountability on such behavior. People in the world looking at God and seeing that they're able to do such things and get away with it, they think they're getting away with it. But all this is being recorded. There will be a day of accountability. But they, denying the very existence of God, can go about doing the things that are ungodly and have no fear because they don't think there is a God. Or I should say, they deny that there is a God. And think that that's going to account for them when it comes judgment day. Verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. It isn't that you get justified because you perform the things of the law. You get justified because your faith in God, not your works. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. See, we can learn the will of the Lord and His desires for us by studying the law. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. One of the verses that's memorized and repeated and used in many Bible tracts, the Romans Road and so forth, many use this very verse here in verse 23. Romans 3:23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All, whether Jew or Gentile, all, everybody that comes into the world, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. See, we're justified by Jesus Christ and His grace, not by our obedience to the law. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, that's payment for our sins, through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness... Notice, His righteousness, not our righteousness. We are washed in His righteous blood. It isn't that we become righteous because we do such wonderful things for the Lord. No. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? Like, how can you brag about gaining salvation? Where can you boast about being such an obedient person to the law? Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. 
We are justified by the law of faith, by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we conclude, a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. That is another key point there. Justified by our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, not justified by our works. You cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot work your way to retain your salvation either, which many believe you have to. Verse 29, is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. It isn't that we make the law void. It's that we establish it. We fulfill it by the finished work of Jesus Christ who fulfilled the law. And we trust in Him, follow His guidance, His statutes, His ordinances for us, the two primary ones He focused on. Love God with all your existence and love others as yourself. We need to love and, and care for each other. We need to have compassion one for another. When we see these horrible, sinful things that we read about in chapter 1, we need to have compassion on those. When he says over there in chapter 1, verse 28, reads, And even as they did not re- like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. We as ourselves cannot determine whether someone is reprobate or not. We can look at them. We can see their lifestyle. We can see their behavior as he tells us to do. We are to judge people in such a way. That means to look at them. He says, you will determine them by their fruits. Determine what? Whether they are righteous or unrighteous. When we look at them and judge them in such a way, then we know, okay, here's an unrighteous person. That's a person I need to work with. That's a person I need to pray for. It's a person I need to reach out to and love. Not to connect up with and associate with and be a partaker with, no. But to assist, to help, to guide into the right pathway. If they deny you, they're denying Jesus Christ. If they turn against you and hate you, they're hating Jesus Christ. But we are to love them and help them any way we can. And there's a lot of opportunities for that these days because there's a whole lot of this evil that he wrote about there in chapter 1 that's, that's on the increase. So that's that much more that we have opportunities to shine the love, shine, shine, to shine the light and share the love of Jesus Christ into this dark world. So we need to get excited. There's a lot of work out there to do. And when he allows us to be a part of that, then we build even more and more rewards that we can roll over into the millennial period and enjoy for eternity. So much ahead of us and so much right now that is available for us as Christians, as ambassadors of God. And we've got to all know we all started out the same point as being filthy sinners. And then we, by the grace of God, that have trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ, are now part of His family. And in doing so, we need to represent Him everywhere that we go. And to have that grace and that mercy and that love poured upon us so much that then we in turn share that with the rest of the world out there that truly need it today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank You oh so much for the grace and mercy You've poured upon us. And help all of us to understand the position that you have available for us in your kingdom, 
in the work that you have available to us, the task that you have, the ordinance that you have given to each and every one of us to represent you everywhere that we go in every moment of our existence and help us to truly share all that you've given us and to shine your light and to share your love into this dark world. We thank you oh so much for the opportunities that you've given us to be a part of your work. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Thank you all.